Hi, I'm your host, James Barrow, a creative turned marketing director with over 20 years' experience in the advertising industry. Join me as I go behind the scenes with a range of innovative thinkers. Hear what inspires them, their processes, and the methods to their madness. Find insights that can help unlock your creative potential and apply them in your life, career, and business. Right here on The B-Side with James Barrow. How can children's books inspire and empower a future generation of leaders? In episode 17 of The B-Side, I speak to Beck Feiner, an illustrator, designer, and author from Redfern in Sydney, Australia. Beck and I talk about what goes into creating a successful children's book, how she got started, her unique illustrative style, and how she landed her first publishing deal. She shares her thoughts on the industry and how through her work, she aims to shine a light on social issues, tap into the mood of our time, and promote diversity in a fun and accessible way. We discuss how she found a new passion for illustration after leaving the ad industry to raise her two kids, and we chat about her first book, Aussie Legends Alphabet, which she came up with when teaching her kids the alphabet and realising the market lacked the fun and engaging books they were looking for. Beck has since published three books with her husband, Robin Finer. Their second book, If I Was Prime Minister, is about what kids would do if they were given the keys to the lodge. Their latest book, The Polar Bear in Sydney Harbour, is about climate change and the power kids have to change the world for the better. I had such an enjoyable time talking to Beck. She is an incredibly thoughtful, fun and an amazingly talented Aussie legend in her own right. It's a great chat, and I know you're going to love it. Cheers. <laughs> Beck Finer, we are live, and we're still in the house. This is still part of the in-the-house sessions. Unfortunately, we're sort of semi-still in lockdown and all mm. that sort of stuff. It's safer to to Zoom and, and do all these online chats as opposed to meeting in person. I can't wait. I'd love to be able to shake your hand, though. I think that'd be virtual really cool instead of doing like the, the chicken wing you know <laughs> i call it the chicken wing it's oh, like yeah, the yeah. bump you know what bring back the hugs and the and the handshaking and the high fives and all that stuff although i can i just say i always work from my home office so that's right really changed <laughs> nothing's changed for you well <laughs> i think um for a lot of us it's been a wake-up call but for others it's like Get over it, dudes. You know, this this works. This work from home business well, works. Well, yeah, I'm always I, – I mean, I worked in an office for a long time. And then when I started – I mean, look, I've converted my attic. We converted it to a studio, so it is very workable. But the only issue I had when I had when it came to lockdown where the kids were at home – this is in Sydney. So I had to hide upstairs. And they, like – they can sniff you out, kids. It's, they've got this amazing – Yeah. So, and then, you know, my problem was I'd go and hide in the attic and pretend I was out, like I was out working somewhere else. And then I get really hungry. So I needed to get, I need to get a fridge upstairs somehow. Oh, you should like a little mini bar or something. Yeah, Yeah, snack bar. So maybe we can quickly touch on that. So your, your, your COVID life hasn't really changed so much so, but the kids have become this um, new dynamic. There's a dynamic with the children that probably didn't exist before. Like they're around, they're not going away. We're, they're not going to school. They're not going to <laughs> childcare. We have, what do I do with these things? You know? I know, I know. And thankfully, you know, I'm in Sydney, so they have gone back to school. But that was a really uh, yes, challenging, yes. that was a challenging time because, um, well, God, I mean, I just feel for Victoria and something I, I illustrate a lot about actually. But, you know, the challenges of working, even though I work for myself, um, illustration actually during COVID, I actually got 
I mean, I was so lucky. I actually got quite a bit of work. Because, I can imagine. Yeah, lots of people couldn't do photo shoots and all those kind of things. So it, and the the publishing world, I do kids books. It actually, you know, luckily I was very lucky. People, it doesn't slow down. You know, people still want to read books, and I was happy to be able to be working during that time. It was just challenging, you know. It, it was great in a way, and I found some new clients through that. Uh, and I, and so I couldn't really complain. I felt like I couldn't really complain during the lockdown. It was just homeschooling, which is awful. Come it's a bit on. of a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you spoke about being an illustrator. I know you didn't um, start out being an illustrator. Why don't we go back into your, your oh, background yes. and where it all started for Beck? I mean, Pond. I'm still only 25. No, just joking. <laughs> That's funny you say that. I asked my grandfather when he was 87 how old he felt and he said, still feel 26. You know, the body doesn't agree, but... um, (laughs) I know. Actually, 26 was a damn good year. Um, Uh, So, I started off, I did like a visual communications degree at uni, best time of my life. And then I kind of, then I thought, oh, I don't know if I can be a pure artist or an illustrator. I feel like I needed to take up a trade maybe a bit of pressure from your parents, all that kind of stuff. So I did visual communications and jumped into the graphic design world. Um, And I worked at Moon Design for a long time, about five or six years. I loved it. You know, it was very commercial. And again, I wasn't sure if I'd 100% found my thing, but I I still really enjoyed it. And then I decided to do award school because I always had that kind of need to maybe operate get away a bit from the craft and operate on a conceptual level a little bit more, even though graphic design is very conceptual. Um, what is award school? Just for our North American listeners, it's like portfolio school. Do you want to quickly yeah, talk about it? at school, basically, yeah, yeah. you can go and, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's at school. And you just go and learn all the fundamental um, skills to become, uh, you know, I wanted to become an art director. So that's what I did. Um, it was incredibly hard, but fulfilling and I think it's good to do ad school when you're a bit older because you get a few life lessons so I was about I mean older I was 26 but I didn't just jump into it you know yeah um so I did well and I went and worked at the monkeys which is a Sydney agency but now it's in Melbourne too um yeah so I went and did that and again I stayed for like maybe five or six years and I thought I started feeling like I was one of those people that were going to go into an agency and just stay there. You know, I became a bit part of the furniture, which I loved working with everyone and the team. I mean, I do miss working as part of a team, but I kept on feeling like something was slightly missing. I used to, you know, have a couple of wines at night and and have some whining. But <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I just, I want to be a wine and whining. I want to be, I to go to my husband, I want to be an, an art Australian illustrator. He's like, okay, cool. And then I just never had the balls to or the ovaries to do it. Um, so I actually had my kid, first kid, and then I decided to freelance. You know, advertising when I did it, even though they were supportive, I felt like everyone was still struggling with how to kind of balance, you know, a creative with a baby. I mean, you can't yeah. do pictures sometimes all night, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's weird, isn't it? It's almost like I had kids really young. And I think I would have been my proper job in advertising, first proper job in advertising would have been 25. And the discussions I was having with people were just so alien. No one understood what it was to be a parent. Everyone, like average age was, you either had the older peeps 
Yeah, it, exactly. You know, back in the day, ECDs weren't 32. I'm just saying they were like maybe yeah. 52 or something. But yeah. everyone else was like 20-something, you know, or they'd be the, the odd 30-something-year-old or 40-year-old. But like, mm. and so the discourse was so kind of set to those that yeah. those age brackets the the average age was quite young i think it's always has been exactly and I, and and the interesting thing was is that even though you know there were a lot of women in the suit you know the account management department there weren't that many women in creative. i don't know what happens if it's confidence and it's changed a lot lately but there were yeah. female creatives it was yeah. more of a male dominated area so, and maybe my confidence suffered a bit. You know, you go and have a maternity leave and you feel a bit like... Ooh. Oh, totally. Um, so, I came back and I just... Then I decided to freelance a bit as an art director in advertising. And again, you know, that was hard trying to, you know, put childcare and rushing out to a job and all that kind of stuff. So, it was after... I mean, I did it for a couple of years and now my second child and I just had this... I don't know. I think when you have a second child your brain recovers a lot quicker than the first one. <laughs> and during my maternity leave, I just had this, I actually read that amazing book by Elizabeth Gilbert. It was called um, Big Magic. I don't know if you've read it. I've heard um, of that, yeah. Someone yeah, I mean, I'm here. not like yeah. a big self-help book person. I just naturally gravitate towards fiction and, you know, all those yeah, kind yeah. of things. And she was just like, just do it, go for it. It was this in, just put yourself out there. And I was, it just struck me. I was like, it's now or never. I've got nine months of maternity leave to prove financially if I can actually make it as an illustrator, which is what I always wanted to do. And I just had this surge of energy. I actually kind of, I know everyone poo-poo's social media is just, you know, all this garbage and making you feel insecure. But for me, opening my own Instagram illustration account was kind of my light bulb moment. Yeah, yeah. Where I, I started just putting my work out there. She talks about just putting it out there, not being too... Um, precious uh so and i just started uploading my work and actually getting you know it was first it was from family and friends and getting this kind of amazing response that gave me the confidence to keep going hmm. given that time to reflect on what you were doing in the industry and the circumstances you found yourself in the life stages you were going through it kind of forced you to focus on exactly what it was you liked about doing what you did mm. i love the idea of just getting it out the, the, maybe it's the speed and I mean you know I used to coming from advertising where you had to do something quite quickly but I love this idea that I could literally just sit at home quickly do something and it's it's finished <laughs> yeah yeah totally and, and as you do it more and more it becomes addictive like if I can't do illustration every day I mean I actually feel like something's a bit missing from my life it's it's my mental health upper I guess and um and I think I loved, you know, photography, you have to plan the shoot, you have to do it. And I love this idea that I could. And, I, again, I, I kind of, um, going back to my graphic design and advertising, I don't regret doing that time. It was so, so useful. So, basically, a lot of my illustration ideas are almost, you know, I, I like to comment a lot on uh, social or political situations going on. And, you know, almost being an ad person and knowing the structure of an ad helped me almost be able to do these illustrations that are almost a bit like ads in a way, but social and environmental and all the issues that I was, I'm passionate about that perhaps in advertising graphic design, I um, started to feel a bit uh, jaded and, you know, look, I still do commercial work, but I felt like yeah. this, I had a big social and environmental 
passion of mine that I can fulfill now in illustration and I can do it in uh, I try and do it in clever ways. As opposed to tempering it because you have to answer a brief that is purely commercial in intent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I mean, obviously I still do stuff like that to, to you know, pay for my bills and stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's great having to being able to do both. Mm. Going back even further, were you always artistically inclined? Yeah, I basically drew on the walls. I remember... I defaced all the family photographs. Like I drew um, black <laughs> holes in the nose and fangs. And I, and I distinctly, and like, you know, monobrow. And I distinctly remember like my mum like being so upset and I couldn't understand why. Like, <laughs> I was like, I just made them better. Yeah, yeah. The only place I could draw was on the underneath of the dining room table. That was oh, my. Oh, sure. Really? <laughs> was that because you didn't, so you didn't make any mess or deface Yeah, the, they were the like, they, they, they knew how, um, yeah, I was basically a graffiti artist at a young age. That's so cool. I wish we kept that table. I remember <laughs> it was like a beautiful mind. I was just yeah, saying. Oh, really? So, kind of, wouldn't that so, be yeah, awesome seeing underneath the table you should, <laughs> in some of your earliest work? Yeah, you know, I know. Like, yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, doing art classes, at, I always tell my friends, you know, I was doing art classes every, you know, yeah, afternoon yeah. and from an early age. I always knew what I wanted to do very early on. It just took you know, in your 20s and 30s to get into so, that. Isn't that funny? I mean, if you you asked anyone at the time, what would you be when, you know, in 20 years' time or yeah. so, you know, if, if your family members, for example, oh, she's going to grow up to be an artist or an illustrator or, you know, you know some form of um, conceptual professional, you know. Uh, it, so it's no surprise to them, but for us it always feels like this yeah. sense of, there's I, this sense of discovery and it's like everyone else is going, dude, like I knew this was going to happen. I, just, I know, just by but that you know what? When I was in graphic design and advertising, I um, I felt like I'd failed. Like I felt yeah, like I hadn't yeah. reached my potential. And yeah. it's amazing only, like I was about 35 when I basically, I mean, I don't know if you – I'll just quickly tell you the story that I did this alphabet. You know, have you seen my yeah, alphabet yeah. legends? Absolutely. It's Aussie alphabet legend. Is, yeah, I'm, that yeah. was kind of um, – so when I opened my Instagram illustrations, I did a few, and then I remember talking to my partner one night and saying, I have this idea about putting Aussie people onto alphabets. Like I just had this strange feeling that I needed to do it, and I started doing um, A is for Adam Goods, B is for Bob Hawke, and releasing a new one. Every night I gave myself a task that I had 30 days to finish this, 26 days because there's 26 letters in the alphabet. Um, I had 26 days to finish this alphabet. I needed a bit of a, a timeline and I did it. And Nothing like um, a good deadline, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then I put these posters up and it crazily went viral. And I remember, and that was in my mid-30s, like when that happened, like, you know, I got offered a book, a kids' book deal. I went on, I went on the morning show. The morning show, um, love. you know, and that's really when you made it. Mm. I <laughs> love know? that. There was so much about that. If we could just quickly talk about that, yeah. and and I, there was something about the timing, the style of the illustrations themselves. Mm. We're just not used to seeing such diversity associated with Australia oh, in such was, such yeah. a like. A, that style of illustration. Do you know what I mean? Like it's and it's there's so many component parts worked really well. Well, it was at a time, and weirdly enough, I mean, it's even in the last few years since I've done it, there's there's so much more diversity out there. Mm, but at mm. the time, I there mean, was nothing. Yeah, and it's not that long ago. I mean, it was about five years ago, and mm. yeah, there just wasn't that diversity that and and um, talking about those legends in Australia that we that's right haven't really talked about and. Yeah, just really related to people. And it's crazy, you know. Um, you think giving like a, 
uh, you know, a baby, a poster of, you know, Adam Goods and B's for Bob Hawke, C's for Kathy Freeman, I think Dave Edner is D. And um, I, I love it. Like they had the most, their brains absorbed the most incredible things. Like a little two-year-old can say, I should buttress, I should <laughs> buttress. And so, you know, showing these kids at such an early age, this yeah, diversity, yeah. I mean, it really sinks in. You don't, you don't even understand. So that was incredible to... Do that, and my passion has always been children's books too. So to be sure. able to turn it in, it was a poster. To be able to turn it into a children's book, it was like a dream. I mean, I remember when a publisher called me, I was like crying. I mean, I didn't really care about anything else. The idea of getting a book deal was just beyond my wildest imagination. And that was mid thirties. Like that was when I kind of felt a bit like a disappointment in a weird way, even though I was successful in my career. Mm. I knew there was something kind of lacking. Missing, yeah, yeah. 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 So you were at the Monkeys. Was that about that around about that time where you were at the Monkeys? No, it was a couple of years afterwards. Oh, so I'd had yeah, my yeah, sure. so it was about you two years afterwards. Okay. The second yeah. child. And you yeah. know, and also being able to have a and you know, you think having children your career's over and so we got that actually became and I don't know, maybe I, I I mean this is maybe from a female perspective that you know, sometimes you think uh from a looks point of view <laughs> You know, we're we're very ages for females, but I think sometimes we can women can come into their real, you know, age of success Absolutely. at a later age. Uh, you know what I think it is a bit. I think like once you go through childbirth, you're like, oh my god, what have I got to what have I got to lose? Like, yeah, yeah. I've 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 been through the most horrendous experience. Yeah. Everything else is like your confidence in a weird way grows from a skills point of view. And I actually, sorry, just to say one thing is that I think I attributed a bit to also not working in a group office. Like I was by sure. myself, so I didn't have someone judging my work. That's that's a real sense of freedom, isn't it? It really yeah. is. And you sort of elevate above the – it's a mindset thing that elevates you above the fray of other aspects of life that people may not understand until they have children. And this isn't to say, you know, you, you know, whippersnappers or don't get it or whatever else, or there's no sort of, but something happens, something happens when you have a child and, and, or you adopt one or you bring a child into your family where your needs, wants, and, and, um, desires shift from you to that other person. You get so many, um, from an advertising point of view, you get so many more insights too. Yeah. You know? And you're not as vulnerable anymore because I don't really care as much about myself. So why yeah. don't I just go and give it a shot? What's yeah. the worst that can happen? My attention is on this person here yeah. for a lot of the time, not all yeah. the time. So it sort of takes a little bit of this self kind of doubt away from you. But I also think that um, when I had a kid, I need to carve out a bit of time for myself. and that's Yeah, correct. that's really important. And that was really important for me. I, I like yourself. I kind of, I've always needed, I'm client side down. I've always needed some sort of creative side hustle or pursuit. And, you know, you sort of develop ones that you can fit in amongst yeah. the other facets of your life, don't you? Well, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, if I do, um, say I'm doing a more um, commercial project during the day, even though it's illustration and it's, you know, for me, it's, it's a joy every day to work now never used to be (laughs) um um, but i still need to do my own private i do a lot of um commentary on my own instagram and Mm, mm. on what's going on like it might be an article in the paper it might be this or that i actually need to do it to fill some sort of like that comes up all the time what is that i wonder you know what is that i know i don't know if it's maybe it's an addiction i mean it's to fill something like it's to make me happy i know that if i get to the night time and if i know that i've got a post instagram post that illustration that i'm excited to share 
it makes me really happy, like on a really simple level. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, you know, sometimes when I go on holidays, I take all my drawing equipment and people, if I'm going away with someone else, they're like, Becky, have a break. And it's like, no, no, no. No, this, this is, is fun. This is, I'm, I need this. Like, this, this is yeah, me. I get it. Like, I get it. What's something else people don't really know about you? What would you know, people know and have known for a very long time that you're this gun illustrator, you're incredibly creative. What's something that people wouldn't quite oh know God. about you? Oh, my God. Okay. Um, oh, my God. I'm a bit of a oh, – I'm a bit of a oh, – it's not very exciting. I'm trying to think. Um, I live in Redfern and I'm – they call me the mayor of Redfern because I just talk to everyone. <laughs> That's um, fantastic. I'm down oh, the road at Erskineville. So my other passion is exercise. <laughs> I mean, exercise. I, can't, I come from this, like, pathetically exercise-driven family. So, for me, yeah. it's like sport, drawing, family. Sport, drawing, sport, family. Drawing. <laughs> so sport, exercise-driven family, what were they into? Mixed martial arts, Greco-Roman wrestling, archery, rock climbing. No, no, marathon running Marathon parents. running. Oh, right. Yeah, oh. like ultra-marathon running parents. So I exercise every day, but I'm still not considered a very um, athletic member of the family because I don't do ultra-marathons. Wow. Jeez, the standards set pretty high, isn't it? I know, we did right? a conversation. I like, remember my dad not What did you do this weekend, Beck? Oh, I went for a walk. <laughs> really? I know, right? I mean, what? <laughs> No, I only actually got it. And that's actually been really good for my creative energy exercise. Like, I know that sounds really, I mean, for mental health, it's huge. Even during COVID, I mean, you'd go to our local area. It was like a COVID hotspot because so many people were there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it became that. And then I actually had amazing, I actually have a lot of amazing ideas when I go for a run. So mm. I really need it. Otherwise, you just, that, that sitting and creating sometimes cannot be that productive. No, you got to, it's like the stagnant water theory, you know, like you can't be stagnant. You got to keep moving. Yeah. You gotta, Always, you I know. have great ideas when I go to the, like on the way to the bathroom. Yeah. 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 And you write <laughs> them down while you're sitting. That's <laughs> very quick. Who were some of the other, or what were some of the places that may have influenced you events um, or times that may have shaped who you are today? You know what? I'm really influenced about the area that I live in. I live in Redford and, um, you know, Indigenous and rights, poverty uh, and, you know, what's happening with the climate. They're all things that really influence my work. You know, some of my proudest pieces that I've done and, and, and just community stuff has really influenced what I do. So I, you know, we, we've just, we're just bringing out a new book all about global warming, which has taken a little bit of a backseat, I guess, because of the whole pandemic. Yeah. It's called The Polar Bear in Sydney Harbour. Could you talk to me a little bit about that? What was the inspiration for it? I co-wrote it with my, um, co-created it with my husband, Robin. I should give him a little credit. He is the writer and I'm the illustrator, but we come up with the concepts together. Oh yeah, I was really inspired by last year, all the youth protests and their drive and passion, which never happened, you know, when I was at school. I wasn't very political at school. And I just wanted to do a book about how I believe, (laughs) I believe the children (laughs) are our future. Well, basically, and it's, it's all about this child, Hannah, who sees a polar bear float into Sydney Harbour and no one, none of the adults see him, only she does. So you can imagine what's going to happen next. Yeah, that's fantastic. Why children's books? Oh, oh, nothing better. I mean, children's books have just always been one of, I mean, I could still look at children's books forever now. Children's books to me are just the most basic way of telling a really incredible story. And I think that you can make some really interesting social commentaries through children's book. And I love being able to 
bring meaning. I mean, it's a, it's quite selfish of me, but I love bringing meaning to kids, you know, and having an influence on kids' lives. We we did a book called If I Was Prime Minister. Yeah, I love that. I've had quick, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't got the book myself. I want to buy it, you. though, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's yeah. been hugely popular in the fact that, you know, trying to tell no matter where you come from, your race, religion, economics, you can be prime minister and that's kind of... Yeah, yeah. And, and, and kids have really responded and come up with the most excellent ideas of what they would do if they were prime minister. Yeah, and what's the creative process for coming up with a children's book idea? You talked about the, the I guess, inspiration you get from the area you grow up in, the societal sentiment, children themselves and some of the concerns they may have. Where does the inspiration come from? We go into a really, it's such a painful experience, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the first book, had like the Aussie legends came to me and then it was like, that's a kid's book. And then, and then they said, do you want to do a, a new one? I was like... Oh God! And so we go into this like, you know, a few weeks of it's 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 interesting working with your partner because yeah, you yeah. kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> like we, and are you are you doing this on your own? Like for, like starting from the very first book you created, are you doing this on your own? And, and you say to yourselves, you know, I think we're onto something. Let's try and pitch it to a publisher or whatever else. I mean, what's that process like? Well, from we were very from, lucky in when mm. Aussie Legends poster got. The publisher came to me oh, right. and okay. I'd actually sent the idea to a few publishers before, but I say this to everyone, like they just get given thousands. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? So that actually, you know, a few publishers actually came back to me after I, it all went viral and said, oh, we'd love to publish a book. And I had to laugh because I'd actually sent them the manuscript ages ago. But you know what? You kind of have to almost prove I think in today's age, because they, there is so many people that want to do kids' books and it's a very competitive market, you almost have to kind of somehow get known, maybe it's socially, you know, some, some different prove way. Prove there's to an audience yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah they need yeah. to prove their attention. So yeah. in a way I was so lucky in that, in that regard. And then, you know, once we could prove that I could do a book, they, you know, offered me and I was in through that door. That's when I got given those new ones. Um, so, we, we, yeah, we just come up with lists and lists. And then we kind of pitched them again a little bit in an advertising way to the publisher and sure. a huge amount of ideas and then we kind of whittle them down to what we like. And then it's a year. I mean, it's about six months of illustration. Every book has literally my blood, sweat and tears. Yeah, yeah. You can smell it in the pages. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the process between yourselves and the publisher? Is it like a client kind of creative relationship? Or do they just let you go? Off you go. Go forth and create sort of thing. Come back with a few drafts. They are just the nicest people in the world publishing. I mean, I, I was used to as a creative getting my my work ripped. <laughs> yeah. Pieces. Where's the idea? Is there an <laughs> idea in this? <laughs> and like, they, they come back with one change and be like, I'm so sorry. I'd be like, it's fine. Dude, yeah. I'm like, I am. <laughs> you were you used to just start again. I'm not, what's the idea? I'm not feeling it. Look, yeah. they were, so you write a manuscript. What's a manuscript? Like, what do you mean by a manuscript? A manuscript, a script for the book. Just the for rough. the script. So it's like a draft. Well, yeah, you first, you, they've got to win over, you write a synopsis for okay. the idea. Yeah. This is what we do. I think, I'm sure there's many different ways. Kind of like it. a short film, like a, you have your, your yeah. synopsis, your logline, your, who synopsis. your audience is. Yeah. Yep. And then you go away and they go, yep, like that idea. They pick that idea. Go and flesh it out. Sometimes you go and flesh it out and you actually realise it's not such a good idea and then Mm. you have to change it a bit. But if it's a winner, you go and we flesh it out and then, you know, I leave that 
to Robin Moore to do that bit where we do the synopsis together and then Robin goes and fleshes out the manuscript. And then there might be a couple of revisions for that. And then it's my turn to go to the illustration. And that's just, it's like, it's really, I mean, I could, they can actually say start again on a few spreads. Like, Do you show them sketches or are they like Mac visuals? I do. I show them like an example of what I'm going to do and then we roughly plot out each page sure. and then I go for it. But it's so annoying because my style and every book we've done besides Alphabet has just been so detailed. Like I just did a, an illustration of Bondi. I think it took me, I don't know how long it took me it was yeah, a long time it's a long time yeah i know bon- so- is quite intricate you know it's not just the beach people <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 quite i used to live just off bondi road as a kid uh, a lot of yeah. kids spoke russian i couldn't quite understand any of it but i uh, didn't quite understand that <laughs> there's quite a large r- russian community out there i think i may yeah. have under- actually may have understood it somehow because uh, we were conversing and playing and sharing lunches and stuff yeah because used to be i mean pace that a lot of immigrants when you know i've come from a jewish background so yeah yeah that was that was my people <laughs> yeah 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 where did you grow up sorry just i grew up on the north shore i always sure. felt a bit i mean i had a wonderful childhood but i maybe when i moved to redfern i, I kind of came over to the city when i was quite young and i think i felt more with the creative i love being in the creative like i need to be right in the middle in the, of mid- in the middle of it yeah, yeah. I, I i remember feeling as a child that um, when I arrived at university at UTS, I felt like, oh, my God, it was such a relief. These are my peeps. Yeah. 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 And and I had great friends in high school. I loved them. Like, there was nothing wrong. It, I even had a good arts, you know, course at school, but mm. it was just coming. I felt like I found myself a bit more. So what's that process like when they say, yep, we're onto something, we've got something here? What do they say to you? Do you get, do you get a stack of money? Do you? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, if you want to get into children's publishing, don't do it. <laughs> For the money. No, no, that's what everyone says. But- you know, and that's why I have to have a few things going. Um, I say to people, you've got to do it for the love and, you know, you do get paid. It's not like you don't. Mm, um, no, that's right. But yeah. it's good to have a few. That's why I'm trying to get more books out there. And because there is such a long lead time in children's publishing, you know, you get sent away for four months to get made. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's there's big time gaps that you need to fill with other work, which is fine. So, and as an illustrator, I mean, the amount of hours you put in doesn't really, <laughs> you know, pay. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's just, it's so satisfying. So, so we're at the process that you, they say, okay, this book, we love it. We're going to do it. I mean, there's no better feeling. And then you go, and then I really get to work for that next six months doing everything. And And it's great because you've got all these incredible editors and pu- the publisher. I mean, my publisher is just has so much experience and knows exactly what the, the market and the right tone and everything that you feel like if you find the right publisher, you're in very good hands. Going back to the inspiration, I just want to hang around there for a bit. Mm-hmm. A lot of what you're doing is showing diverse opinions. You're including uh, yeah. people that aren't traditionally included in in children's books or that sort of literature why why have you decided to do that and why is that such a recurring theme in all I'm of your a, work i'm a lefty i'm yeah. like <laughs> i'm all about diversity it's just like a i believe in so many of those issues you know i just recently did an illustration about raising the age of detention for kids and i've done um, god there's so many other things about refugees in in Australia and I want to try and get all those messages in because I feel like children are when they're young so socially open and and accepting 
I agree. And as we get older, we become more and more closed-minded. I, I just really think that now it's the time to show them that message. And, you know, I'm just amazed the feedback I get, you know, for our Prime Minister book. You know, the kids from everywhere, all walks of life, came up with the most inspiring stuff. You know, our world is in such a crap place at the moment. Mm. And I really do believe that this generation coming, you know, the younger generation coming up, is so much more open-minded. Sure. But I, I don't know where it comes from. I just, I've always just had that empathy. Do you think it might be because the world is increasingly becoming so unnecessarily complex and tribalized, and in doing so, it's become so simplistic that the child's view is sometimes far more elevated and pure and logical than the adults who are playing ideological games between yes, each other, yes. not actually looking at the overarching needs of society. Yeah, when a uh, child comes in with that innocent objectivity almost. You nailed it. It's that objectivity that is, is so inspiring. And their ideas are far more, because they haven't been stifled, are far more creative. There was, there, you know, about what they would do if they were prime minister, like these ideas that came out. I mean, I never would have thought of them. Like they were just so, but actually you looked at them, you're like, wow, that'd be a really good idea, you know? So how did that work? So you asked what, literally, what, what would you do if you were prime minister? It's interesting. We went out. And we asked a whole bunch of kids, you know, from a whole range. It was kids, friends, other people. And we kind of got together a whole bunch of ideas from kids. You know, the one is um, I'm saying if I was prime minister, I would make sure that half, um, you know, it was equal that half the prime ministers were female. So, yeah, great. Yeah. And then there was one that was, um, you know, fun, but also fun stuff. You know, there was one that would I would make a robot to change my sister's nappy. Nappies, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, and I love, and, you know, there was a um, one, an extra day of the week yeah, um, yeah. called Yum Day. I was yum like, Day. Oh, everyone wants a Yum Day. I think it's really important to not make it too serious for kids yeah, as totally, well. Yeah, totally, totally. You yeah. don't want to be too, le- you don't want to lean into the left too hard, otherwise exactly. it comes across as a little. I know, that's my Instagram. No, and I, and I, um, <laughs> oh, no, and I do actually try and mix up my, my illustrations too. I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I'm not too yeah. Serious. I'm a funny. Yeah. I'm a funny. I'm a very funny person. Very, <laughs> just ask me. You know, like I've done. But you know, I, for Coven, Kath and Kim. Kim. I noticed Kath and Kim makes a frequent showing. Are you a fan? I must say. Oh my I, god! You know, I always <laughs> that's not a loaded question. I know, and my husband always goes, "Oh my god, did you just do another Kath and Kim?" I was like, "It's my last one. It's my last <laughs> one." Seinfeld I and Kath and Kim. Culture. I should say that that's been that's actually a major influence. I love. 80s culture i love like you know that they, they were the matching kooji jumpers but all that kind of stuff i just yeah it work. is quite funny yeah there's I'm a massive 80s fam i'm massive and i love i love trying to make the australian culture like us to be really proud of it mm. you know in many different ways you know i did a pictures with ice bovos and i i, I saw that with the beach towels yeah, yeah and i fantastic. do ones with like you know renamed vegemite wedgemite and yeah i always try and pop an australian animal in because they're just yeah, and I think I'm maybe and that's what I define my work. I'm trying to bring the Australian culture, but just trying to make it a little bit more diverse, but still having fun with it. That is the Australia. Most of us live in metropolitan areas, and sorry to our listeners who are out, out in the bush, but, I mean, you know, most people live in the metropolitan areas and are from very diverse backgrounds. It's just about reflecting that in our, yeah. in our media, whatever the media may be, whatever the channel may be. It, in the past, it was very sort of homogenised, wasn't it? Whereas now... 
with the help of people like yourselves, you're starting to share um, the reality, mirror society, as opposed to yes, yeah. yes, and giving and just giving basically kids, you know, that confidence that you know, as I said, no matter where you come from, you can be an yeah. Aussie legend. An Aussie legend. <laughs> In terms of your thoughts on the current state of children's literature, you don't have to bag anyone out, but I'm just going to ask you a question now, mm-hmm. and I'm going to start by talking about an experience I had, and I got into a little bit of trouble because I was probably, mm-hmm. I got on to a bit of a rant about this. I walked into a Big W store mm-hmm. and every single facing, every single book in the kids section was about farts. Oh, my God. <sighs> and... and not because I don't think it's a fart gag isn't fun. Like, everyone loves a fart gag. But, like, you know, and and that really annoyed me because we've got so many rich, wonderful ideas and thoughts that we could, like you, you're you're talking about if I was a prime minister. We're sort of respecting the these kids they, they are smart little human beings they they the I world know. is their a, a source of inspiration and then we were dumbing them down to fart gags you know it's just like, well, oh. it's really interesting because i think that's the difference perhaps going into a big department store and all the big department stores big w came up they've all got these incredible book selections i mean where it came up so i'm not i don't want to um bag anyone out but i think that when you go into those beautiful little bookstores that are curated Mm. and Mm. yeah you have to pay a few more dollars but they have you know someone has like you know i've got a beautiful bookstore down the road from me and they curate the kids um shelves in a bit more of a thoughtful less i guess some places just do it based on trends you know there's always trends in um in books, kids' books and adult books, everything. And that's what that probably was, right? There was a trend in... Farts. Farts. And, you know, and then it's like, I mean, if I see another unicorn book... Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Unicorns have had their day. They've had their day, goddammit. Kind of like that. And I think that it's, yeah, Mm. it's an example of maybe um, why you should go to an indie and support your local bookstore, which I'm also such a huge um, passionate advocate of supporting local businesses because they do provide that... um, and they can recommend you these great books that you for your kids that are more than a fart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. it's funny with the fart thing too. And I think you know what? To our kids' credit, maybe when they're younger, but they do kind of get over that whole fart gag and do yeah. need something more. Yeah, um, yeah on, the fl- on the flip, you, you, you want something that's really quite in, inspiring and enduring, don't you? I mean, if you can crack that as a oh my god, uh, a book creator or publisher or whatnot then you're, possum you're on magic to... if i could do a possum magic yeah 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 you know? one thing i will say about that though is i have been reading uh some of rod campbell's books uh dear zoo and oh dear on the farm and so on and i i find reading to an eight-month-old girl it, it's an interesting thing around uh <laughs> reflection on society and it's <laughs> Animal husbandry. All the animals on the farm were female. The little boy that helped his grandmother was male. Yeah. They're always boys, and I, I find myself just changing the gender of both the animals as well as the as well as the protagonist, the little boy who's fetching the eggs. And I've always wished we could somehow small batch publishing just go. You know what? I've got a. a I'm an in, Aboriginal family. Um, I've got girls, but I love this book. I'd like to swap the characters to be Aboriginal. Well, you know, there are actually those 
I think it's starting to happen where it's custom um, kids' books. Yeah, yeah. You swap the names out and you... Because um, it won't affect the story. Like, it's really, it's not... No, it, it's yeah, not, you swap it out. It, it just costs a bit more. Mm. But there are a few that are doing that now. They're so clever that you submit it and then the printing does it. I don't know how they... I mean, it is more expensive, but, yeah, yeah. no, 100%. And I think that there's someone actually taking on the book world at the moment where they're changing a few of the characters from those old publishing um, and republishing it. Yeah, the Dr. Zeus, um, oh, the places you will go. You know, the little boy who is you know, off to take take on the world and you yeah. know, achieve great things. I wish that was like interchangeable. It's like Peter Rabbit. Oh, you Peter know, Rabbit, yeah. They're such inspiring books and yeah. I just not to say they're, they're no less inspiring. But it's, it's just a really... Got- as a bit of a side project, actually, and it's coming to Australia soon, um, I've set up with Robin and, and a business partner and um, our alphabet poster in Australia was and book was such a success, but we always thought we could take it to America. So we've actually gone and done, a, well, I've got about 30 books out in America at the moment, wow. but all different. Um, American legends. Yeah. We've got an American Legends, but we've also got a lot of different ones. Like we've got Lady Legends. Oh, fantastic. We've got yeah. um, Autistic Legends. We've got yeah. Dyslexic Legends. Mm-hmm. We've got, yeah. um, we've got you know, soccer, tennis, golf, all those kind of things. But we've also Dance Legends. We've, so we're trying to actually um, uh, find all those niches for ev- um, all everyone's different experiences. And it's been, it's been really We've got Seinfeld legends. How would you how would you create the diversity that is so integral to the Aussie legends in say a, 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 a smaller sort of niche area like sports or I know it's you really just... hard. Oh, you don't understand. And um, so you get these lists together because you've obviously got to find the legends, right, that are the top legends. Like they are you know, they've earned their place. Yeah, yeah. But they earned their place in the 50s where not necessarily that diversity was happening. And then another thing is America is, I mean, I love you and all the Americans listening, but you are a cruel, cruel Facebook commentary. <laughs> 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 the, the Facebook messages sometimes. I mean, there's, there's amazing. You get these? Sorry? You get the Facebook commentary? Well, we do a lot of Facebook ads and everything. Yeah, and yeah, when yeah. you release a book that has something someone that someone doesn't like. Yeah. yeah. They really let rip. <laughs> well, everything's been politicised. Like, you talked about you being a lefty. I mean, that doesn't really come through in your work. What comes through, though, is just being thoughtful about the environment and having a discourse with children that both respects their concerns yeah. and their parents. And, and it's funny, though, but, like, if you're not wearing red or blue war paint and you don't yeah. buy all the tropes that well, someone spews to you and you don't replicate those in your your own posts, your own social media or in your art or your movies or whatever, then you're, you're suddenly you're ripe for abuse, you know? like Yeah, but you know what's interesting? I mean, corona, so awful, but I think it's reset the political system a bit in America. It has. I just have – I've always been careful when we do our political, political illustrations mm. not to, you know, offend anyone. But it's changed. I, I feel like the landscape is changing in America yeah. in a good way, yeah. as as, yeah. as awful as this has been. The sound bites aren't going to fix anything. You know, I love this saying, you need two wings to fly. This yeah. tribalist sort of simplistic uh, approach to politics yeah. isn't really going to cut it. You know, people need to have the rich, long, insightful yeah. debates and the gnarly conversations about how we're going to help society. And I think, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I've seen a bit more of that myself, maybe because it's my mental state. And I'm very 
consumer focus when it comes to marketing. I truly believe the market is about understanding your market and putting their needs above any others, shareholders or whatever else. You've got to start there and then you can help everyone else. And COVID has really reinforced that. Yes, when people get sick, they stop buying and shit falls down. You know, the, the whole castle falls. It was, actually, it was pretty crazy in America when the whole thing happened initially because we – so um, it's our own publishing in America, our Alphabet Legends. Um, so we put our own money. We do it everything. I've got a publishing company here, but we wanted to try and do it by ourselves in America. And I remember the first week, you know, when California went into lockdown, it was like – crickets like no cells come it was really scary but then it actually picked up again i think people needed that again mm. that's when books have been so important oh, you know people totally. want to need to read <laughs> during this time it's brought such comfort i think well during that time books have brought a lot of comfort to people more than tv or oh for sure for sure. There's that more introspective format, isn't it? That's the beauty of a book, whether it be a, an actual tangible tactile book or an audio book. You sort of go into yourself. I listen to a lot of audio books purely because I can do other things around the house yeah. and I can, you know, and obviously I'm, I've fallen back in love with children's books because I'm reading to, to Jade yeah. and, and it's been well, such a pleasure. you'll be coming up with a few soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say that. You, you're doing a far better job of it than no, I could ever no, do. No, so no, no. You never know. Yeah, Seriously, yeah. strike cold. <laughs> Just quickly going back to the political thing, I don't want to stay on this um, soapbox for too long, but do, I, I, Greta Thunberg, like, are you creating a new generation of Greta Thunbergs, people who care about the planet, who have a voice and who are willing to share it? Do you care if you've, you piss off a whole bunch of white middle-aged men who seem to pick on Greta because she has these opinions? Yeah, I don't want to push, I don't want to push things down people's throat too much, you know. I can just put on what's out there and I don't ever want to get angry and you know, really, yeah, become that kind of aggressive. Yeah. Oh, it's so aggressive, so negative, isn't it? (laughs) I know. You know, I I did a post a little while ago where I was – I read an article and I just did like an illustration of a melting earth inside a science beaker and I said, we listen to the experts about the coronavirus. Now let's listen to them about climate change. You know, just Mm, just getting people to to start – thinking a little bit more in different ways and and you know sometimes you do feel really powerless and I feel like maybe it's a way of me if I can show kids you know with this new book give them a climate change message then maybe I'm giving it a little bit well it's arming them with a repertoire of skills that can allow them to have the real tough conversations because they're going to be the ones who have to sort out the mess. Yeah, by the and looks again of with the climate change book, we didn't, it's a, it's a story. It's not, we don't ever mention the word climate change. No. It is not, uh, um, yeah, we're not actually saying this is what's happening to the world, but we. Mm. I think it's a different way to let the message in. Isn't it really interesting how it is almost like a, a recording of events. We look at children's books and we don't look to them for so much uh, a snapshot into society during a given time. That's what I love about your work. It really is a snapshot into society. It's not just a book about a, a topic. It is a, almost a, a time capsule in illustrative form. Oh, thank you. That, 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 that is exactly what we're after. So that, that's really an important... I'm so glad you recognise that. So if you were to talk to someone who did want to go out and start a book, whether it be for children or adults or whatever the, your market is, what would you say to them in terms of 
where to start and what to do? I mean, my main message would be just to start creating, not to be too precious about what you are creating. I don't really go and look and ooh and ah. I mean, I have to, to a certain degree. Sometimes I get my work out too quickly and then I pull it down again. But I think it's about generating work. And when you start generating, it actually fuels you to, for more and more ideas. I think the worst thing to be is just to not do anything. And, and that fear, it's good to have a little bit of fear, you know, that actually gives you, makes you have a higher standard, I sometimes think, in creating things um, that you're proud of. But sure. at the same time, you know, it's those, how many hours are you meant to, to put into something to become a 10,000 hours or something like 10, that. Yeah, it really become- is true. Like mm. the more you do it, the better you get at it. And it can be really crap. But mm. it was that like that book I was reading. It was just saying, just, just put it out there. And, you know, life is short. Just don't, don't be too precious. That is my main message. Oh, I love that. Don't be too precious. Yeah. If you, if that was a single page book, the world's shortest book ever, would that be, <laughs> would that be the sentence? Don't be too precious. Don't be too precious. Just get it out there. People are not so judgmental as you think you they are. You know, oh, that's the thing, isn't it? And really- that's the that's the struggle every creative has. It's like you're 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 the one who's judgmental. Yeah, you're and your biggest critic, right? So, but do you know how lovely people are? Like you think that, and you know, again, I was bagging out social media, but actually, people are really kind on mm. social media, and you should be kind to other people when they put up their work because you don't understand the the power of you saying a nice thing to someone about their work or what they've done. It makes a huge difference to people. Well, I think your work's absolutely fantastic and I want other people who aren't familiar with your work to be able to have a look at it themselves. Where can we find out more about you? Where can we see more of your work? Um, and how do we get in touch if we want to commission you for more awesome Oh, you're so stuff? lovely. Um, you can go to, on Instagram, Beck Feiner, F-E-I-N-E-R, um, so Beckfiner underscore illustrations, and you can go to my website, which is beckfinercreations.com, and there you can actually, um, there's my email and phone number, you can, whatever. Get in touch, love to hear from you. When can we expect to see the new book, which I know... Oh, yeah. I'd love to talk about that. That's um, So it's called The Polar Bear in Sydney Harbour and it's through HarperCollins. But if you just Google it, you can pre-order it and it's coming out the beginning of September. And it's just, it's a lovely book about Sydney too. It's got a loads of places that I'm sure you'll recognise in it too. Fantastic. Beck, thank you again. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, I um, loved you coming on and chatting. Thanks so much. We'll have to get you back on so we can talk about um, your new ventures and uh, all the what about What things. about a diverse fart joke book? What do we, you think? We could seriously, we could work. That could be our collab. We could seriously do a fart joke. <laughs> fart, <laughs> a fart joke book. I think there are plenty of them. Um, <laughs> Beck, thank you so much. Thanks so much. All the best. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to find out more about me or the B-Side podcast, please visit jamesbside.com. That's one word, jamesbside.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at B-Side Podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback on the show, please email me at hello at jamesbside.com. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. The B-Side with James Barrow is produced by me, and I really hope it's helped unlock your creative potential. Thanks for listening, and until next episode, cheers. Cheers.